0: You're listening to audio from Grace Community Church in Anger, North Carolina. More information about Grace Community Church can be found at graceccnc.org. Some of the folks are having sound issues. I think it may be an indication of spirituality. I'm not sure. That's terrible, especially with the message I'm about to preach today. Uh... I'm actually, not actually, I am very grateful for the godly group of men and women who lead us to uh, the very throne room of the Lord in worshiping, singing our praise. As David often points out, every part of our service is worship, including the announcements. You look at the New Testament epistles, the way they're written. They do, um, they talk shop, they They give announcements of sorts in the epistles at the beginning or usually at the end of the epistle, almost always at the end, Um, which is what I'm about to do, just to give a few little things that have already been mentioned today. Uh, If you were here and you're here for the first time or you're here for the second or third time and you hadn't even thought about this, we would love for you to stay with us after the service uh, for Discovery Lunch. If you are... Also interested in knowing more about Grace Community Church, we have a really nice-sized group next week who will be beginning Grace Connection. We have to start a little earlier than we used to at 8.30 on Sunday morning in the very back of the building. Uh, We would love for you to join us for that. And after the service, the sign-up seat is usually in the welcome room, but since the deacons are going to be in there, we'll encourage you to go to uh, the children's check-in, which is just straight out from... Um, the, the doors here And sign up for that as well We would love to have you join us for that In your bulletins You saw an insert South Wake Bible Institute I made a big deal about this last week I want to make a big deal again I won't say nearly as much as I did last week But I want to encourage you To take classes this year It is truly next level study Again It's, it's bridging the gap Between Sunday school and seminary going to be expected to do a little more. And if you absolutely cannot do more, you can audit the class. That's okay. But I suspect when you get in there, you're going to want to do at least some of the uh, work like the exams and maybe a paper, uh, that type of thing. It is worth your while. And we actually uh, were awarded yesterday one scholarship for this uh, semester. It's $100 per individual or $150 $50 $50 extra for each family member that would come in after uh, the first family member. And Don Sandberg and Dave Brown, the two instructors this year, are just outstanding. Alice and I are going to take the class on Psalms. And that was a really hard thing because uh, Don t- is teaching apologetics. Man, you need to be in that class. If you have a uh, real interest in knowing how to share your faith better, that's going to be a, a great class. Uh, And as uh, will be the Psalms. Dave Brown knows as much about the Psalms as anybody I know. So I would encourage you to think about signing up. Website connection, all that stuff is on there. And then one last thing. As I mentioned, we're going to have Discovery Lunch. And Ben already mentioned, as soon as the service is over, we've got to break down uh, the chairs. Those of you who remember setting up and taking down every week uh, over at the school, this is a piece of cake. Uh, we appreciate, though, all the help that we can get. And I'm going to say it a few times, especially those of you who are younger and students, college students, this is a great way to connect. So we're going to be encouraging you to uh, be involved with the deacons, men and women, both see the deacons after the service. We've, there is a place for you to, um, to sign up. Well, having said all of that, let me just say, welcome to 2019. Now, if that seems a little late to you, uh, you should know that I consider the second Sunday in January, the first Sunday of the year as far as preaching a sermon. I don't, other than Christmas and Advent, and even this year at Advent, we just plowed through Isaiah. Um, but this is one of the few times of the year that I preach a sermon that's connected with a holiday or, 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 or something that big that's going on in the year Uh, Because I feel like it gives us an opportunity to set the focus. Um, For many of us, we set a focus early in January, and it's gone by February. But this one, we're going to encourage, let's keep this going all year long. Vacations are done, school is in session, Campbell students are back. It's a good time to preach a New Year's sermon. So it's a time for us to focus on the year ahead. So a lot of you have committed to reading through the Bible. How's that going? Uh, I've heard from several of you that you're that you're hanging in there. You're just getting going, and you're so excited. And Leviticus is coming, so I want to <laughs> encourage you to hang in there. Just keep that excitement. If you look, if you're a little bit behind, it's surely not too late to catch up. Reading through the Bible takes about 15 minutes a day. If you're going to do that in a year, 15 minutes a day. So if you're a few days behind, just Take 30 minutes for a couple of days. And in the future, get a little ahead, but don't allow yourself to get behind, too far behind. (laughs) One more suggestion. Don't allow yourself to get too bogged down in the genealogies and the measurements and all of that type of thing. You can come back and study later if you are so inclined. But if you're going to get bogged down there, you're not going to make it very far. Uh, I promise you. I, I do hope this will become a commitment With you so that it's almost habitual you're you're reading through every year if you continue reading through this year I can assure you you are going to be amazed at what you learn or what you're reminded of I see something new almost every year and I've been reading through a lot of years most of the years uh, of my adult life but there's something new every time and then things just build There's up there's there's benefit in cumulative knowledge won't be saying it much after this week, so just wanted to get it all in there. Uh, so if you think what you learned this year is something, just wait until you've got five or ten years under your belt, five to ten years under your belt. And and you're you're seeing the big picture unfold more clearly every single year. So Even though you've been reading through all those years, it's going to feel like you're learning something new all the time. This morning we're in the 13th chapter of John's gospel. We're not here so much because our our focus this year is going to be on the gospel of John and these beautiful slides that uh, this design, the graphic design that Scott Shambley has done once again for us. Uh, we appreciate it so much. But it's not so much we're in the Gospel of John as it is the beginning of the year that we're in, John 13. Today was a perfect day to feature the deacons who were just known for their selfless service to our body. They're a lot more than just the deacons who are known for selfless service. My goodness, I could p- uh, point out a number of people. All of the staff seem to be geared that way, natured that way. Ricky. Keisha, David, they're all amazing. They'll just do anything. All the time they're serving in ways you have no idea. But we have several people who are here early setting up, getting coffee for us, taking trash out. People that are not assigned to do any of these things. So there are a lot of wonderful servants here at the Lord. Uh, But our, our focus today is on the deacons and their ministry. And they need help. They're not designed, in the same way that David said, the leaders of the church are not designed, the pastor of the church is not designed to do the work of the ministry, but to equip people for the work of the ministry. That's what the elders do. All of the elders are assigned to do that. The deacons lead us in the service of our ministry. And just like in the book of Acts, by the way, just about any of our deacons could get up here and preach a really great sermon. And minister in a lot of ways. Ben, who you saw up here this morning, has a great degree from one of the best seminaries in the United States. So these guys are very theologically astute, just like the elders are. But they're called to serve and they're called to lead all of us to serve According to the gifts that God has given us. So given our focus, it will not surprise you to learn that John 13 gives the account of Jesus serving his disciples by washing their feet. That's where today's message is centered. I've been looking forward to preaching this message on this day for some time. And I can say this because all the points from this come from Bob Anderson, who was the founder and the 10-year director of TVR Christian Camp. If you've been to TVR, you'll be able to identify the spirit of that place from the points of this message. You'll say, yeah, that's kind of the way they are up there. Uh, Bob was a no-nonsense kind of guy. Um, he is Paul to me as Timothy. Had a big part in my life in mentoring me. Bob was so service-oriented that navigators would come to TVR. I don't know if you know navigators. They're known for being servants. And they would say, wow, we've never seen any place like this. Staff all the time say, you started this or you said that. I'd say, nope, I didn't. That was Bob Anderson. He just pounded it into my head. Now, it wasn't always easy with Bob. Because, like I say, he was... No nonsense. One time he said, um, "Well, uh, we need need you guys to work on Saturday afternoon." This was during the summer, and if you've ever been a part of TVR in the summer, staff members get one hour a week, uh, one hour a day off uh, between three a.m. and four a.m. That's when your time <laughs> off is. You can do anything you want. You can read, sleep, whatever. You know. But <clears throat> so Bob says we need you to work it. I said, Bob. I've worked for the last three Saturdays, he said. Yeah, and you just lost your reward for it too. (laughs) And you know what? We don't hear nearly enough of that today. We don't hear nearly enough of that today. That'll come up. You'll see in just a few moments. Um, Washing feet in the first century. Uh, was important because of the effect that dusty roads had on sandal clad feet. You can imagine, when it rained like today, what if you'd had to wear sandals and you'd had to walk here? Or, you know, you drove in the carriage and, and, and you had to get out and walk in. It's a mud parking lot out here. You're just you can imagine how important it was to wash feet. And if you were a wealthy homeowner, it was just a common courtesy that you extended to the guests that came to your home to wash their feet. But it wouldn't be you washing the feet, would it? It would be a slave. If you were wealthy, you would have slaves. But it wouldn't be the head slave. It wouldn't be Carson washing your feet, let's just say that. It would be the lowest of the Lord. Guy. You know, what TVR, that meant go to the horse, to the barn. You're going to shovel out the uh, stalls where the horses stay. In that day, it was like, oh, new guy, John Barr, Johnny Boy, you're going to be washing feet until the next slave comes along. You're the man. It's kind of the way it was. Just imagine the President of the United States coming to your home, and after dinner, getting up to wash the dishes, and then saying, please show me where your bathrooms are. I would like to clean the toilets in your home. It was like that. That's what it was like when Jesus got up. So before we read this text, would you just close your eyes for just a moment? Put yourself in the room... Where Jesus and his disciples were on the night before he will be crucified. You're there. Crucifixion is the last thing you expect. You're not even thinking about that. It's a private dinner in a large room. So there are slaves available to wash your feet. But no one has done so apparently. There's not a slave low enough this task. Imagine your confusion when Jesus rises from dinner, takes off his outer garments and he puts a towel around his waist. As he pours water into the basin, there's no other sound. And then he begins methodically to wash the feet of his disciples. How do you feel when he comes to your feet? Lord, open our hearts to the powerful truth of your word as we read. In the name of our Savior who served us all the way to the cross. Jesus. Amen. Would you please stand for the reading of Scripture, John 13 verses 1 through 17. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that His hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he was come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. (coughs) He laid aside his outer garments... Wash my feet. Jesus answered him. What I am doing you do not understand now. Nor did anybody else in the room. But afterward you will understand. Peter said to him. You shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered. If I do not wash you. You have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him. Lord not my feet only. But also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him. do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you were right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you as an example, or I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than and his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you do these things, blessed are you if you do them. Thank you and be seated. Just before Jesus washed the feet of his disciples, a lively discussion had uh, been conducted about who would be the greatest in the kingdom as was so often the case with the disciples unfortunate timing you ever had the lord do that for you you know you're ah, i don't know what these stupid drivers and then all of a sudden you're the stupid driver <laughs> just the lord reminds us of our place when we forget our place so Three characteristics. Before we get into the points from the text. Three characteristics of a true servant of the Lord. First, a servant is one who sees the needs around him. Are you aware of others' needs? Or as I told you before, you're this kind of person where you're you're like, Hey, you need anything? Just let me know. Real invitation, isn't it? I'll serve you. If I absolutely must do it. We have some beautiful examples of people at Grace who see the need and get it done. By the way, I wonder if I could give another lesson from Bob Anderson. Uh, Bob used to drive us to distraction. Apparently, it's only in a camp director's jeans because I could never get anybody to do it. My kids say they do it all the time now. But you could never pass a piece of paper without picking it up. You could never pass trash on the ground without picking it up. Some of you at staff, I don't know if you've been on staff at TVR if they still do that. They used to call this the camp director stance. Yeah. <laughs> Where you're reaching down to get the piece of paper. You see something out of place here, take care of it. This is God's house. The church, we are the church, but this is God's house. Let's take care of it. Second, a servant moves to meet needs without being told. I doubt seriously that it ever entered the disciples' minds to wash the other disciples' feet, even Jesus' feet. They were too busy jockeying for position in the kingdom. They were too busy thinking about I'm going to be at his right hand. I'm going to be at his left hand. A true servant meets to meet, meet, moves to meet needs. You try to say that he moves to meet needs without being told. Third, a servant looks only to his master for approval. Now, if one of the disciples had gotten up and, and 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 had done what Jesus did, took his garments off puts a towel around his waist, starts. Would the other disciples have approved or disapproved? They would have, Philip, you are embarrassing yourself. Stop it. Would Jesus have approved or disapproved? What else matters? Jesus called his disciples to the order of the towel. He's calling us to the same order this morning. So before we get into the six truths about Christ-directed service from our text, I want to say a word about a book of liturgies that has been enormously profitable to Allison and me. It's Every Moment Holy by Douglas McKelvey. You notice you don't see Douglas McKelvey's name on the front. Um... This is a Rabbit Room production. If those of you those of you who know Rabbit Room uh, know that that means he is likely good friends with Andrew Peterson. And in fact, Andrew Peterson wrote the introduction to this book of liturgies. They're written mostly in a responsive reading style, uh, but you would love, you'll love reading these on your own. Most of the time when Allison and I read them together out loud. One of us is reading. We don't go back and forth. We don't do it in the responsive style. Which is, is more than okay. Although it's awesome if you can do that as well. Uh, you can purchase this book at Rabbit Room or on Amazon. You can get it on Amazon. Uh, don't spend all your money though. I'm going to recommend another book in a few weeks. You know, So particularly beneficial to me are the three liturgies at the, at the front of the book. The Liturgies of the Hours. Uh, daybreak, midday, and nightfall. I rarely read more than one of these a day. Uh, and I don't read even one of them every day. But I honestly think I could read these three liturgies every day for the rest of my life and not grow tired of them. And I grow tired of things. But I, to, to me, one of the best ways... You can preach the gospel to yourself is to read these prayers. It's, it's just that simple. I, it sort of came to me this week as I was thinking about how impactful they have been on my life. Now, when I say a dramatic statement like, I could re- read these for the rest of my life and not grow tired of them, you got to realize, how, you know, my age. It, maybe it's a part of that, I don't know. <laughs> I was reading the midday liturgy at lunch on Friday as I I took a break from sermon writing. And these words of prayer caught my attention. May our work this day be rendered first as service to you, that the benefits of it might be eternal. Isn't that what Bob was teaching me as a young man? I said, hey, wait a minute. I've already worked several. Who are we serving? This is quite appropriate for our text, don't you think? Have we forgotten in our day that when we serve for the purpose of being seen by others or with the deep desire that somebody, oh, I hope somebody caught me doing that. That we have already received all the reward we're going to see. We're, 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 we're going to receive. Look, we're in an, a dangerous age for believers. E- even if you deserve had never been a part of our cultural vocabulary. Even if that had never entered into it. Still, you've got rights. Tell everyone what you did. Show the world. Alice and I talk about this a lot. I mean, where's the room for the quiet disciple? We talk about it because we struggle with it. Same thing as everyone struggles with. So without stopping to bow your head, but just in your heart right now, would you ask the Lord as we look at these six points from the text for him... To to do a work in your heart uh, and ask him to give you a heart that seeks above all else to please him. The first of the six (coughs) principles is this. A servant makes proper use of limited time. John 13 begins the farewell address or the upper room discourse, if you prefer. John chapters 13 to 16 share the truth that Jesus taught about (coughs) his About the Holy Spirit, about the mark of discipleship, which is love for other believers. About how to handle inevitable persecution, about the vine and the branches. So much that Jesus had to say. So with all that he needed to teach the disciples, why do you suppose he took precious teaching time to perform a task reserved for slaves? What do you think the disciples remembered most about that night? You think when they got together they said, Man, you remember when he was talking about the Holy Spirit? It was so good. Or do you think, I still, it's hard for me even to say what he did on that night. I mean, when you, do you remember when he washed our feet? I could hardly breathe. He put the towel around his waist and he, when he poured the water, it was like time stood still. And then he started washing our feet. I thought I was dreaming. But I wasn't. We weren't. I will never forget that night as long as I live. Look at verse 1. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. It is never a waste of time to serve someone. Life is short. I don't care how old you are. Life is short. I don't care if you live to be 100 years old. Life is short. You may not have another week to get it right. And even if you live to 100, it's a blink, it's a breath. It is never a waste of time. To serve one another. A servant makes proper use of limited time. The second point is also connected with verse 1. Service must be based on love. Jesus' love for his disciples was was evident throughout his ministry. But never more so than on this night. (coughs) When you're in a difficult place. Chances are you want to be with friends. That's why I love so much, and you hear me say it so often. In Luke's account of the, of the Last Supper, Jesus began by saying, I have earnestly desired, eagerly desired to eat this Passover meal with you. I want to be with you. And when you're suffering, you just want to be with other people, don't you? If you're suffering and you want to serve your friends. And that's a good idea by the way. It's a truly good thing when you are depressed to serve someone. If you want to serve your friends though, how would you show your love? It's always a temptation to show our love to others in ways that emphasize our thoughtfulness or our abilities. Now look, if you begin to try to work out these motives, you can, go, you can drive yourself crazy at a certain point. Don't go too far into it. Because we are, and in fact, just think about this. What does the Bible teach us? Do not praise yourself. Let someone else. Do not magnify your works with your own lips. Let someone else do that. In fact, if you will just let God take care of you, He'll do it. Most of us want to justify ourselves, to defend ourselves. Fact of the matter is, if you'll let the Lord do it, now He may not do it in the same time that you want it done, but He'll take care of you. He will always bless you if you don't worry about. And he's in, he has called other believers to encourage you and to even praise you. It's the way it works. When you look at Philippians 2, the things that Paul said about Timothy and Epaphroditus, you have to say he praised those guys to the congregation in Philippi. He lifted them up and said, man, there's nobody like Timothy. Epaphroditus, he... He did stuff that you guys would have loved to have done, but you couldn't because you were there. And I'm in Rome in prison. We're called to exalt others and to put ourselves down. Not, I'm just a disrep for Jesus. That's never going to be the kind of humility that he's looking for. It's pride in another form, really. So be careful about it. But service must be based on love. It's doubtful that many of us would serve those closest to us. In the ways that are socially equivalent to what Jesus did when he washed the disciples feet. Dressed in a manner (coughs) that was contemptible to Jews and Gentiles alike. Love. Which is not always the fluttery emotions. Love. Moved Jesus to serve his disciples in this way. Love first for the Lord and then for others should motivate us to serve them in whatever needs they have. Look, I, I know it's 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 tricky. There are there, some people are are just needy and and, and you can't <coughs> ever do enough. For them, I realize that we have to have boundaries sometimes. I get that. But you ought to be well down the road before you start putting those boundaries in place. Love ought to motivate us to serve others in whatever ways they need. Third, a servant is sure of his standing with God. Verse 3. When we are secure in our relationship with the Lord... We are then free to serve others. If, however, we are insecure about ourselves and about our relationship with the Lord, we quickly become not people of the towel, but people of the petty. Our feelings are easily hurt. We're sensitive, overly sensitive about our authority or our position. And the only person we end up serving is ourselves. Isn't that why, not why, but isn't it one of the benefits of the order that God says we are to love? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, energy, everything. You love God as you're supposed to. You you love God as he's, come in a relationship with him in that way. And then serve others, love others as you love yourself. You're going to have a much healthier opinion of yourself if you're in right relationship with God. In John 13, verses 3 and 4, we're told this. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments and taken a towel, tied it around his waist, and then he moved to wash their feet. Who are we as believers? We are those who have been united with Christ. When God looks at you, he sees Jesus, and he's pleased. When when you fully grasp The blessing of God's grace to you, which I sense more and more as I read these liturgies that I was pointing to earlier. When you grasp the blessing of God's grace to you, rather than being tempted to indulge a Messiah complex. Yeah, I chose God. Of course I did. I'm smart enough to choose the Lord. You're not going to do that. You know what you'll be doing? You'll be taking up a towel. You need to truly understand your position with God if you're going to apply the next principle. <laughs> we are to serve even our enemies. Now the text makes it fairly clear. Judas is still in the room. A little bit later in John 13, he's going to say, Jesus says, one of you is going to betray me. And they're all saying, is it me? Uh, who? Uh, huh? Uh, surely not. Judas... Was still in the room. Does that surprise you? I mean it's. it's, Wouldn't you think it would be nice to get him out of the way. Before you start washing feet. It's one thing to wash the feet of those. With whom you were close. It's one thing to wash the feet of those in the body. Maybe you don't know them others in the church. As well as you would like to. But you say. Oh this person in our church has a need. And I want to move. To meet that need, it's another thing altogether to wash the feet of your enemies. I want to share something that I say it at, at least once a year. I suppose if you've been here for a year, I'm, I'm, I'm almost certain you've. But it's just it it helped me so much, and it helps so many people when they say, "Yeah, that really I need to hear it. I needed to hear that." That I just want to share it every so often. Years ago, when my first wife Linda and I were at the beach. On vacation, we were leaving town, and we stopped at a church on the way out of town. Went to church on a Sunday morning. (coughs) And um, the pastor was preaching from Luke chapter 6, verses 27 and 28. And here's what those verses say. But I say to you, Jesus is talking. But I say to you, bear no, love, I, I was trying to find my place, and bear is not anywhere in this text. Um, l- uh, but I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. And then he went on to say that, sadly, it's very true, but it's very sad, that so many in our culture... Um, in in the Christian world today, find that their chief enemies and those who are their greatest detractors are inside the church, not outside the church. How sad is that? And so he said, I know how you pray for these people. You pray, Lord, bless Stephen Eisenberg, but in all the ways that he's goofing up, would you please show him? Would you knock some sense into that boy? You know, you say something like that. Stephen served me well. That's, I'm just with him. He said, let me encourage you to pray something like this. Lord, bless this person in every way imaginable, physically, spiritually, emotionally, relationships, his children, financial, every way possible, bless this person. And in his or her mistreatment with me, Be merciful, even as I would desire that you be merciful to me if I were in the wrong. So at this point, I turned to my wife and I said, I'm not doing that. I'm just not doing that. It's not going to happen. But as you can imagine, the Lord just pounded me for about a week. And I began to do it. And it's not so much that it changed others' opinions of me. Although it's, it seemed to soften things for a little while. But it didn't hold. Just kind of like Judas. He washed Judas' feet. Judas still went on to betray him. But it changed me. Allison uh, was reading this story yesterday. Her good friend, Vanitha um, Rendell. No, Risner, yes. Um, who writes for... Desiring God Ministries, uh, was talking about this. these two ladies. She called them monks. They were, I'm going to call them nuns, okay? So they were nuns. They were walking along, and there was this very wealthy lady who had come to a puddle, and she didn't uh, want to walk across the puddle. So one of the nuns picked her up and carried her across, and the lady didn't say thank you or anything. You know, or as my mom would say, she didn't say thank you, kiss my foot, or nothing. She just didn't say anything, you know. So about six hours later, I got to the convent, and the, and the one nun said to the other, or the other one who had observed all of this said, I can't believe that lady didn't thank you. And the one looked at her and said, I put that lady down six, six hours ago. Why are you still carrying her? That's a great word, isn't it? How can you wash the feet of your enemies? Pray God's overflowing blessing and mercy over them. Fifth, service is a direct command from the Lord. Verses 12 to 16. In these verses, Jesus laid it out as clearly... As it could be laid out. You call me teacher and Lord. You are correct in calling me that. If I, your teacher and Lord, have washed your feet. You should wash one another's feet according to the example I have set for you. If the creator of the universe, the keeper of the stars, stooped to wash the feet of common men. Who are we to scorn the towel? Kingdom values have never been the world's values, and they never will be until the kingdom has fully come in all its power and glory and Christ reigns. Because I know the human condition, I am sure that groups of believers in every age have chosen to emphasize different aspects of the Christian faith over others. It's no different in our age. As you read through the Gospels this year. And Jesus says things. Don't so easily just throw them off and say, hell, he's being symbolic. Yes, there is some symbolism in, in what he's saying. But when he says, that, you know, if someone asks for your coat, give them your shirt as well. Don't just take it. It's like, oh, he didn't really mean He lived in a day where that was more likely to happen than it is in our day. Surely we have to understand the cultural context. I mean, for instance, we don't wash feet today. We have shoes. (coughs) But there are ways that we can serve our brothers and sisters in Christ that we are presently not doing. In serving others, you will ultimately find the depths of the truth in our last point. Being a servant is the path to happiness. After the example of washing the disciples' feet and teaching them uh, what he wanted to know about his acts of ser- act of service, Jesus said to his disciples in verse 17, if you know these things, blessed are you, blessed are you, if you do them. It's not in the knowing. It's in the doing that we're blessed. It gets tricky. You've got to be a believer for that to be done the right way. I mean, serving Jesus without knowing him is far worse than knowing him and not serving him. But if you were a follower of Christ, you will be blessed or truly happy only when you serve in the manner that Jesus (coughs) has called you to serve. What is it that causes you to be discouraged or down? number of responses you get on social media. Really? Is that where we are? We are, aren't we? That's really sad. We're a million, ten gazillion miles away from the Christ of God. And I say this affectionately as Bob said to me. You lost our reward. Get over yourself. Get over yourself. I'm sitting right down here with the rest of you. What causes you to be discouraged? What kinds of things make you happy? How much of your happiness is dependent upon money? Or accomplishments. Or others perception of you. Likes. Thumbs up. All of the above tend to influence us heavily. Don't they? But should they? We're called to live in this world. And we cannot pretend that we don't live in 21st century United States of America. But true and and lasting happiness will not be one. On Instagram, on Facebook, in the corporate world, in a bar, or anywhere else in the world. According to John 13, it is the people of the towel who are truly blessed. We now know this to be true. It's time for us to ask God to make us true servants of the Lord. I want to remind you that these guys will be stationed in the welcome room. The deacons will be stationed in the welcome room. I hope that there's a line all the way back in here for you to just say, you guys call on me whenever you can. And they say, well, would you be able to do this, this? And you say, yes. No joke. I see the emails that go around. The deacons are doing yeoman's work. They're coming here at odd times of days and nights and setting up chairs and tearing them down. And again, God has blessed us with an active body with things going on. And as David mentioned, an opportunity to serve our brothers and sisters at Redeemer in Fuquay. We're closely connected with Redeemer Church, becoming more and more so. And uh, we have opportunity to serve others. Redeemer guys, they they set the chairs back up. Hey, you know, (laughs) they don't really how to set them up. So we have to come back in behind them and <coughs> somebody Neil don't tell Josh I've said that. Redbird. If you're listening Josh, yeah well I said it. <laughs> he ain't listening. It's interesting that Jesus didn't wash a few pairs of feet and say well I think I've made my point here. He went all the way around the room. Some of you are thinking, you know, I'd love to help, but I don't want to come, I don't want to get in over my head. I don't want to commit to something. I, 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 I. This is our life together in Christ. We're back in that room. We're sitting around or lying, as the case may be, reclining, as they were. We need to know each other. We need to know each other. And one of the best ways is to serve alongside one another. Aren't you glad Jesus went all the way in serving us? He went all the way to the cross. And he calls us to do the same. Would you pray with me? Lord, we confess that even if it's our impulse to serve, we want to be noticed. It's just, we're just human. You know our weaknesses and you've made accommodation for our weaknesses. You have have designed the body of Christ to give us all the encouragement and support that we need. But there are times that you call us to be out there all on our own doing things that other people think are are, are ridiculous. So Lord, whatever it is that represents the towel and the basin of water, I pray that you would open our hearts and cause us willing to serve in that way. We thank you, Jesus, knowing that we were sinners and incapable of coming to God on our own. You were born into this mess that we've created. You suffered at the hands of those you created. You died on the cross to take the wrath of a holy and righteous God. than our Master. So call us to serve one another even as you have served us. Jesus, Amen. If you notice in your, in your bulletins, there are prayer requests that rotate throughout the week. And I neglected to mention one that we out. Thank you for listening to audio from Grace Community Church, located in North Carolina. Feel free to make copies of this audio content to share with others. But please do not charge for those copies or alter the content in any way without permission. For more information about Grace Community Church, go to graceccnc.org.